Hello everybody. So my name's Phil. I'll be trying to go live with a solo D&D 5th edition playthrough. I have done a session zero already just to try and get people up to speed. If you haven't seen that, you can go back later on and try and have a look at that. Hopefully it'll get you some idea what's going on. So we'll just go through a quick run through of everything that's happening. Hopefully people will join in. So what is happening? <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm going to go show you my character sheet in a moment. That will hopefully give you some idea of um, exactly what I'm playing. And I'll try and just catch you up, crib you with a little bit of character background, and then we'll delve in and see how the session goes. So in a second, my stat sheet should be coming up here. That's great. So this is a character that I will be playing here, Granville Dajon, who is a forest gnome Wizlock essentially. So playing a Gestalt character, you're going to have two levels, one for each type of um, basically character type. So he's a level two wizard, level two warlock. Okay. So that's him. A little bit of background. So he comes from a family of, well, a noble family that has fallen on bad times, on hard times. Mainly due to his own father, who has used all the money in a reckless, irresponsible way, spent it on himself, and basically brought the family near and crashing down. Granville himself is a wizard warcaster, and he has spent the last couple of years fighting in a border war. He's coming home now. He thinks that he is a war hero. Nobody else does. Yeah, so he thinks he's a noble war hero. Nobody else thinks that he's the only person who does. Now, last time I did this, there was a bit of a lag between the audio and the video. Hopefully that won't be too bad tonight. If there's any issues, I'll try and sort it out. I will get around to doing some character art for the character, but uh, it will be me that's drawing it, so it won't be absolutely fantastic. And B, you'll just have to wait a little bit longer. So yes, he's coming back from this border war. He's had a letter to tell him that his grandma is ill and that he needs to make his way back. Previous to this, he has had letters on the front that have told him. There's a message in here. So he's had letters that have told him that finger that his parents are already dead. So his grandma is the last living member of his family as far as he knows. So he's heading back to the Dajon residence which is his old family seat. So I will try and show you that on the map. We'll just cross back over. So if I point it out here, just here, this is his family home. Hopefully you can see that. Might need to zoom in a little bit. Oh, map's gone white, that's good. It's moved a little bit anyway. So here it is. That is a family home. Yeah, so he's heading back towards his family home. And he gets to within eyeshot of his family home and he can see six figures riding away, thrashing their horses into the distance. Bit unusual. So usually fairly quiet around here. Most people don't tend to visit the family home. If there's any business, don't visit them at the uh, woodcutting shop in town. So he's uh, curious about this. So he sets off cautiously back towards his own house and when he gets there to the it's quite a dire scene really there is a shallow grave that has been dug and in it is collapsed a well a goblinoid figure holding a shovel so it looks like it's been forced to uh, dig its own grave 
in absolute disarray and in panic, a Granville runs into the family home. It's not much better once he gets inside the house. He finds out that he's been smashed to pieces. And when he gets up to the grandma, would-be grandma's bedroom, he finds that she has been lashed to a chair and doesn't seem to be moving. There's no signs of life. There's no consciousness. He makes his way over to the... And he shakes his shoulder. There's no response. There's no response at all. So I'm going to try and do a character voice now for Granville. Usually it's my go-to voice. It's an impersonation of Matt Berry. It's not very good, to be honest with you. A lot of the times it strays into Patrick Stewart. So we'll see. But then go, Granny, Grandma. Nothing, no signs of life. So he unstraps her, takes her downstairs, carries her gently downstairs, makes his way out into the garden around surrounding the house. Uh, it's a bit like Unforgiven when he has to bury the rest of the family. So he makes his way there. And as he does, you can just hear a low groan coming from the graveside that has already been dug. But when he gets over there, you can see that this goblinoid figure that was face down is turned back over. And he looks and goes, Bobo! still with the family after all this time. I knew you wouldn't leave us. But this figure, Bobo, the goblin, gradually and warily crawls out. Granville pops down the body, goes to assist him and pulls him out and asks him what's happened. Granville tells him that uh, six figures broke into the house after beating him up. They beat the living daylights out of him. And Granville wants to know from Bobo, what has happened and he tells him that actually he was already there digging a grave and that the grave was for granny granny had unfortunately died before Granville got back but the bandits who broke in didn't know this and didn't realize he was actually dead already in the chair and had lashed her to it so he's a uh, mightily mad now is Granville because as far as he's concerned, these terrible bandits that have broken into the home and stolen something from him have desecrated the body of his uh, beloved grandma is what he thought was his only living relative. But alas, no more. So he leans over and he pulls Bobo out of the ground and assists him. And then he pushes poor granny's body into the grave and the two of them make an impromptu headstone and bury her over. It's at this point that Granville realises there isn't a right lot here left for him at the residence, but he equally feels, feels that he needs to go and seek revenge against these wrongdoers that have um, taken so much from him. So he decides that he is going to leave here and he's going to head for Hexford, which is just here in the orange diamond, orange yellow, and it's not even a diamond, is it?
they're getting a message here saying it's an inside job that Bobo is the inside man. We'll have to check that and see if it is. We'll carry on. Maybe we'll find out later in the story. For the moment, though, no insight check. <laughs> Granville is just going to decide to believe him. But he's going to head out towards this hexagon, the golden hexagon here, Hexford. And the reason he's doing that is he's going to try and get back in contact with one of the people that he used to serve, one of his ex-commanders, when he was back on the front. So he's going to try and make it to Hexford to sort search out Captain Jack, a well-known fixer, an underground fixer that could possibly help him track down these evil men that have broken in. Now, when I mentioned this, I did say that I would hex crawl and I'd be using a combination of different things to try and plan journeys. One of them was down crawl, which suggests a journey clock, and the other one was a modifier that I was going to use from the one ring. And I will go through that system now, basically. So if I am making my way across from the Dajon residence to Hexford, I counted it earlier. There are six hexes in between. Two of them are forested. One of them is hills. And then there are three plains here. So each hex is 20 miles, which is the maximum that a dwarf could trek on a hard trek. Downcrawl says that there are no long rests, so it'll only be short rests available. So on a perfect conditions, it will be six days to get there. But if you've previously been there, you can minus a day from this. So it would be five days with no modifiers. But two days through dense wood with three off of, um, one ring modifier. That makes times three would give you six days in the woods. Therefore, I'll roll six encounter rolls. One day in the hills as a 1.5 modifier, so we'll call it two days in the hills, which equals two encounter rolls. Then we have three days in the plains, but we'll minus one from that because we've been to this area before. So that will give us two days, so two encounters on the plains. So it'll be 10 days in total. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to roll on a random encounter table that. Um, comes from free Lagen and uh, roll a d66 essentially and roll for each type of environment as I said so I'll be rolling five times for the woods or forest as it's called in here two times for hills and three times for plains two dice here the green one will be the tens and the red one will be the sixes and I will go and roll through and see how I go. So six rolls, six possible encounters in the dense woods. Let's see how we start. 22, so that table says no encounter. So that's one. Ah, 65 in the, in the forest. That is encounter number 13. That doesn't sound good, does it? That sounds quite ominous, 13. Let's scroll down and see what we've got. Scroll down a little bit too far there, you know. I'll get there eventually, sorry. The Plague Brother. You find the decayed remains of an unfortunate murderer in front of you. The ravens and wild animals have already done their part and the body is just about hacked to pieces. Well, that's a grim discovery. 
Let's hope it's not a portent of what's to happen to poor Granville and Bobo as they travel across. We'll move on to the next encounter. There is the option to try and retrieve an item from it, but I don't even think that uh, Granville is that desperate and he has other things to be doing rather than grubbing around in the forest. So we'll roll a few more times on the encounter. 36, so that is no encounter. So that's three days we've been trekking now through the woods. Let's roll another one here. <laughs> Make the manservant. Make Bobo the manservant uh, do it. Earn his pay. Uh, alas, no, I don't think I will do because he isn't a companion and he has defense, which means if I get into any trouble, he can try and protect me. 64. We're rolling high here today. Let's see what that says. Right, 64 on the forest encounter table. That is encounter number 12. The hungry robbers. A grump, a group, a group even, a grump. Maybe they are grumpy. Maybe that's the hangry. They're all hangry. They're so grumpy. A group of unwashed humans wearing warm clothes and all sorts of simple weapons step out on the road. They're dirty and look like they haven't eaten properly for a number of days. A large man with a black steer beard steps forward and spits and puts his hand on his sword. What monera dirt are ye? What are you doing here? Don't you know who I am? Alright, so there was a group of starving robbers in front of me. That's not good, is it? That isn't really what I wanted to see. I'm being asked if I had a river here to cross, because rivers are fun for adventurers. Um, what am I going to do? Well, um, I start to crackle some eldritch energy from my fingertips. And I'm going to try and persuade them that it isn't a good idea to take us on. We'll see whether this happens. So, let's roll a persuasion now that we have this new dice thing on here, the new dice roller. See what we get. Oh, that's criminally low. I'll show you on here. We'll cross, cross, hopefully. If you look down in the bottom corner there, I rolled a two. Six. They just laugh in my face. You'll have definitely going to have to try harder to try and scare some hard nuts like this away. So I think I'm going to have to drop in and build an encounter now. I'm going to roll a d6 just to see how many of these bad guys there are. There's three of them. And I think we'll call them bandits. Wrong set of players there. Let's just click on the bandit there. Get him up. Right. Three bandits. Better roll initiative. They get 11. Let me roll my initiative. Uh, yeah, so I get plus three for being a wizard warcaster, so yes, that's better, I guess. So I've got plus five on there. Let's hope I can beat 11. 18, so I will have the drop on these guys. Right. Let's start stomping. Let's see how we go here. What am I going to do? I don't think we're in close combat just yet, so I think I will be able to fire off a spell. See here, this is all just getting used to a new character. Apologies if I'm not quite that slick. So I'll see here. What do I want to do? Chromatic Yeah, I'll do some acid damage to them. Well, a four-inch diameter spear of energy at a creature you can see within range. Alright, okay, let's do that. Let's see what I get on this dice. 
Whew, fortunately that was a 13 and not the one, so that's eight. That's 18 there to hit. Hopefully that is enough to hit a bandit. So let's see here, they have an armor class of 12. So let's roll these three d What did that give us? 16 damage. 16 damage. How many hit points does he have? 11. So the leader is toast. So he is dead. That leaves two. Two left. And I have a companion who can go on my go as well. So that is Bobo. Let's have a look um, here. I believe that's in extras. Warrior. Attack. So he gets a plus two, plus four for his longsword. Oh, actually, it wouldn't be if he's bow because we decided we weren't in melee range just yet. The roll here and see how we go. See whether he can manage to get above 11. Oh, that was awful. That was a one. Very, very bad. It just basically. The uh, arrow drops out of his hand and the uh, drawstring whips him across the inside of his arm. And you just see this goblin leaping up and down, going, Ooh. Looks really impressive, that. So that leaves two bandits left to have a go at us now. They're going to fire the crossbow. Let's see how they go. So 13 and a 1. So, I don't believe they beat either of our armour classes, mine or Bobo's, so we should be alright there. Oh, what's happened to you now? There we go. My AC. Oh, he's 12. I'll tell you what I do as a reaction. I'm going to use feature and trait here. I'm going to use Arcane Deflection, which gives me a plus two bonus to my AC, which means that they wouldn't be able to hit me. It does just mean that uh, I, I can only cast a cantrip until the end of my next turn. Right then, so they don't manage to hit me, so it leaves two left. Uh, back up to the top of the round. Anvil is being played by Ned Beats. Are we talking... not sure that reference there. Anyway, he's going to move in. No, he's not. He's going to stay out of range because that will allow him to do a cantrip. Otherwise, if he moves in, he'll have to go into hand-to-hand -hand combat. So, only cantrips now, so... Right, what does he want to do? Yeah, he's going to attempt Eldritch Blast. Yeah. Go attempt to Eldritch Blast one of the people that is left. So we'll see how that goes. That is a 6 plus 4, so I believe that gives me a 10. So that is under the Bandit's Armor class of 11. 12 even. So, oh, Nightmare. But we do have a plus 3, hopefully, crossbow from my sidekick. And they get an 8. So that is 8 plus 3, 11. That's under their armor class again. So now we have two bandits that are... I think they're actually going to move up. They're going to move up into range and attempt to strike us now. And they get a 3 and an 11. So no, no such luck. So we'll move back. I can actually cast a spell now, but I can't because I've actually been engaged in combat. So I will have to try and just whack them. Although I may be able to do a Shocking Grasp. Yes, because that's a touch spell. So what I would do is I'll do a Shocking Grasp on one of them. That is not going to work with a plus four. 
This is why nobody else considers Granville a war hero apart from himself, because he's being uh, well slapped about by a group of bandits, backward bandits. Okay, so we'll see whether my fighter, my goblinoid friend, can do it any better than me. Hopefully so. So he has a plus four on his longsword. Hopefully he's going to... Oh, that is so painful. That is a seven plus four. So that equals 11 against an armor class of 12. No such luck. So two of them are going to attempt to strike us again. Nine and a nine on two. What armor, what advantage do they get? They get a plus three. So, yeah, right then. That probably would be enough to get through my armor. Is it enough to get, not enough to get through his armor? So, again, I'm going to use arcane deflection. So that way it won't get through my armor, but I will just only be able to use a cantrip again. So now it's back to my goal, um, and I think I'm just going to try and do what I did last time, but hopefully do it more successfully. So we'll go for a green flame blade. No, we're not. We didn't go for the green flame. We went for a shocking grass last time. That's a plus four onto an eight, so we've got 12. So that actually will hit this time. So let's roll the damage. A damage of five from the health of 11. So take that, you blighter. Right, and we decided that Bobo had a plus four to attack, so we'll see how he does. 18 this time, so we've got 22. That is far better. I like that. Good work, Bobo. Carry on. Of course, Gramble is going to try and claim that the uh, work is his own. So let's see what damage we're going to do to these people. So the hit is 1d8 plus 2, or... I'm going to say seven, using it two-handed. So he's attacked the other one, and they had 11 health points, so minus seven. They're on four health points. I'm going to roll the dice now to see whether these guys break, because they are actually backward bandits, and they probably still do value their life rather than being hacked down, hewn to pieces where they stand. So what I will say is um, odds, they stand and fight, and evens, they turn tail and head and run for the hills. So that was a six. So evens. These guys think the better of it and describe that discretion is a better part of valor and just head off into the woods. So we were four days into our six day journey in the woods, which means we have two more encounters left to roll in the woods. Let's hope we have a quiet time. Alas not, that is a 63. Which means there will be another encounter. It's been an eventful journey. Which means it's 11 this time. Let's find out what happens on the rest of the journey. The journey goes ever on. Let's have a look. <coughs> Excuse me, pardon me, sorry. The Forgotten Prince. A large pile of heavy rocks stacked atop one another in a monument that you recognise. Someone has obviously spent a lot of effort building the cairn and someone or something is buried beneath it. Well, there's an option. I could go over and kick it all down. See what's underneath. It does sound quite wicked, considering that it's just a onward journey encounter. 
The other option is, as it's been told by somebody else, suggested in the comments, is that I could get my henchman, my sidekick, to go and start kicking through the rocks. We have only just come out of an encounter. Fortunately, we didn't manage to take any damage. We managed to fight them off. I imagine that something that is buried underneath a cairn, if we disturb some arcane force, I imagine it's probably going to be far worse than a couple of uh, backward bandits. But I'm going to decide that discretion is the best sign of valour here myself. And I'm just going to wander past this and leave temptation well alone. So one more encounter possibly in the woods. One more encounter in. That is a 22, so that means that this is an uneventful journey. An uneventful day, so six days in the woods. And we are out of the woods now, and we're going to head across a hill. So we have two more encounters to do on this hillside. Let's see if there's anything uh, epic that happens as we do so. 21, fortunately, it's a quiet night, passes undisturbed. We managed to get some fitful, sleeping fitful frets and starts. One more roll now in these hills. That is a 12, so anything below 36 is considered uneventful, so that is great. Which leads us onto the plains. The morning dawns and we are over the hills, we are onto the plains, and we can see Hexford, possibly aspiring Hexford as the clouds break and the mist starts to burn off in the morning. We still have a long way to go. We still have two days of heavy trekking. But we'll see whether anything happens or whether we can manage to make it into the city unscathed, let's say. 24, that's okay. So we managed to trek for a day and a night. We have one more roll before we can make it inside the city. Let's see if anything eventful happens. It does. It's a 61 this time. I rolled quite a few sixes. If only there were sixes on demand here. Let's see how we do on this one. A 61 inside the woods, or in the forest as it says here. So number nine, let's see what that has. Let's see what encounter happens now. The ruins of old. You see before you the broken remains of what was once a building, a civilized outpost in the wilds. Now nature has reclaimed the place and everything that remains are but fallen remnants and memories lost in the mists of history. So I need to roll a d66 and see, it says here, and see just exactly what type of ruins they are. 21. A mill, buried in the backyard. Oh, yes, a mill. Well, if I didn't have places to go and bad guys to catch, I may well think about uh, Searching. I say that to myself, but before I can do anything, Bobo's already not helped himself in, let himself in, and started uh, wandering through, poking at possessions with the end of his longsword and things like that. Most of it is uh, 
just been eaten by rats and it's just grains of flour and sacks of flour. Very just... Bobo, what are you doing? Come on, we've got places to go. Isn't the time to be dilly-dallying. Uh, he doesn't listen, he's doing his own thing. Then he makes it out into the back garden and we can see that there is a raised mound in the backyard. Well, you've seen one of those before. There's obviously something buried underneath it. Let's let's move on. But before I can start stop him, he's uh, digging through and disturbing the earth. I'm like Bobo, why, why, God heavens, man, why, why do you do such a thing? Goblins, eh? Well, anyway, I just. Uh, go back into the mill and I bring out a chair and say, well, if you're determined, I better hang around just to see what happens. But I still think this isn't a bad, a good idea. So he digs and he digs and eventually gets to the casket. Uh, I think what I'm going to do is, again, I'm going to roll a d6 here and I'm going to say that anything odd is a bad event and anything good, well, anything even is a good event. So we'll see what happens with Bobo disturbing the dead. Oh, we get a five, so that is bad. So I'm going to say that as Bobo lifts the casket off and daylight hits it, a undead skeleton rises out of the casket. And at the same time as that happens, the rest of his family burst out of the earth so I'm going to roll a d6 now and see how many skeletons we have to fight again. Or flee from, let's say. Cocked. Try again. One. As the other family members burst through the earth, the thing that reanimated them causes them just to dry out and desiccate into dust that's blown in the wind. This makes the remaining skeleton very angry, though, and he is going to attack Bobo. So we better get a skeleton up on here, and it decides that it's right. Honestly, Bobo, I really don't know why you felt the need to do this. Disturbing the dead. The skeleton is going to attack Bobo, and it's going to use its short sword. And it got a 10 plus 4, which is under his 16 armor class. So he's going to swing back at it. Oh, he got a 19. Oh, yeah, as it swings at him, he just punches it in the face. Like, ah, trying to knock its skull off its neck. So let's obviously here. So he did or would do. Technically, that's really an unarmed attack. So it'd be 1d4 plus his strength plus 2. So 1d4 plus 2. Or somebody will tell me if I've got that wrong. I'm going to roll the dice. It is going to roll the dice. I can't see what it's rolled. It's rolled a 3 plus 2. So it does 5 damage to this skeleton. Right, okay. I guess I'd best go in there and help my compatriot. Getting me into all manner of trouble again, Bobo. Let's see how we're going to do this. Yeah, yeah, I'll cast a magic missile because it will hit them. And that's done four damage plus one. So that's five damage to them. Have that, you blackguard. So the skeleton's going to take another swing at Bobo here now. And it's going to miss again. 
So Bobo this time has had time to chance to draw his sword and he's going to change, just hack at it and just cut it, fell it in two. So that's 12 plus 4, that's 16, that's over its armour. So, well, I don't think he'd have chance to do a double-handed swing. So, single-handed swing, that's 6 points of damage, but that is enough to fail this here. <coughs> right. I'm going to say D6 here again. Odds, we find nothing but dust in the bottom. Evens, we find something of use. Evens, so we've got a two here. So I'm going to go to the treasure deck here. And let's see if we get anything, a tasty object. So it's a D100 this time. 18. Table 9. Roll a D12 and see what we get out of that. We get an 11. A vial of white liquid, an antitoxin. So we'll add that to the equipment. I'm not sure how good that'll be because it didn't really seem to work for the miller, did it? Seeing as he ended up as a skeleton. It seems a funny thing to take to your grave as well. Oh, I'm going to be poisoned in the afterlife. Take the vial of antitoxin just in case. Okay. So we are going to make it into Hexford now after this detour that Bobo decided that we should do. Right, thanks for that Bobo. So we make it into the town of Hexford. It is a fairly bustling town, <clears throat> quite large as far as towns go, quite a few hostelries. And it is to one of these that we are going to head now. We are going to head to the Black Cow because that is a known drinking place that Captain Jack, my associate, will be in. I'm going to make my way there now, accompanied by Bobo. And we're going to make our way into the Black Cow, so we make our way through town. Fortunately, with this being the, one of the newest towns to Granville's family seat, he has been here before, especially when he was young and he was taken there by his father when they were trading. So he knows the, town's well, the town well enough to make his way to the Black Cow. To be fair with you, it is one of the biggest drinking dens in town. So if you asked around, most people will be able to point you in the right direction. So we're going to assume that they managed to make it through their unharassed. Hexford itself is fairly lawful, even though there are devious characters within it, much like anywhere else, to be honest with you. This will be a bad apple if you look hard enough, and it's possible that two of them have rolled into town right now. So we make our way in towards the Black Cow, and there in the back we see Captain Jack, a gentleman with a sour demeanour and an eye patch. And I think we're going to leave that here now for this session pick up from there at another date so thank you anybody who has watched if you have enjoyed it hopefully tell somebody so that they can enjoy it i will leave this up here on facebook i'll put it on the twitch and in a few days i am going to put it on youtube so if you want to watch it on there as well that is fine so thank you very much for your time thank you for coming along it's much appreciated hopefully you found some of it interesting and it is something that you'd possibly want to watch again just to see what happens in these further adventures of Granville and Bobo. 
Uh, it's good to see that somebody there got the uh, Steely Dam reference to the Black Cow. We have tried slipping a few more of those at a later date.